Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. John, just because it's summer doesn't mean you can sit around on your backside all day. Uh, skip. You never take me anywhere. Skip. Man, I'm telling you, go paleo. It'll change your life. Skip, skip, skip. Don't get stuck with sounds you don't want to hear. Get Spotify Premium free with Vodafone X Music, plus 20 gigs of 4G data for just €20 Euro top up. Fuel your beats with free Spotify Premium. Search Vodafone X to find out more. For full terms, conditions, and limitations, including our fair usage policy, see Vodafone.ie. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everybody, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, Patricia Kirkman. Oh, you're so All sweet. All the way sunny Tucson while we are freezing, freezing, freezing here. Oh, God, it's awful. Well, we've just had a very exciting half an hour, haven't mm-hmm. we? Oh, because. a thrill a minute. We have had planned to have a very special guest on, Whitley Strieber, to talk about his new book, The Supernatural, and also Communion, one of my favorite, most creepy movies movies ever. Mm. However, he might have been abducted again because we can't find him anywhere. (laughs) So he's supposed to do sound check with us at 7. We can't get a hold of him. Our, Our incredible producer is going to try to track him down with his best detective skills. But anyways, we'll do our best for everybody. And if it doesn't work out, we're going to play a repeat show. So we're going to give it a little while and see if uh, Whitley is returned by the aliens. And uh, if not, we'll take it from there. Definitely. So, Miss PK, with your beautiful new hairdo. Oh, thank you. And muffins. <laughs> and yes, and that's that, of course. It just makes it so much more glamorous. Oh, yes. Um, what's Your going on with the numbers? Well, yeah. you know what? 
what's really strange is we are in, in that universal two year, which we're all dealing with, which deals with sensitivity, creativity, but it also deals with some stories being told. Did you know that? Uh-huh. No. A two can sometimes tell a bit of a tale or two. And today happens to be a two-day as well as the two-year. And we're in a four-month, which deals with work details and all that kind of thing. But our details just got blown up out of the water today because the harder we tried to put everything together, the aliens came and took our guest. Unfair of them. Uh, I know it. I I gave him a really good build-up. I know. You know, said how great he was, and now he leaves us standing at the altar. Like the rejected, abandoned bride. What can we say? If it was the blue men that took him, the blue men might have taken him out. I don't know. That's right. Well, you stop and think about it. Blue. We'll see if Joe has any success. Well, blue, blues, (laughs) etc. Today, oh my, we're feeling bad, feeling separated and alone, and rejected and neglected, all that fun stuff. Oh God. Yeah. So we'll just kind of let that go because. We've I'm got, basking in our our weather of 77 degrees today, almost 80. I'm really now. I am so mm-hmm. jealous. As you know, I think I contracted that horrible flu that was going around. I that went to the grocery flu. store. Yeah, it's ter- It's deadly for some people. And thank God I'm still here, but I was kind of on the edge. And, you know, it's one of those things that... that I think one of the most germ-ridden places in the world are grocery stores. Oh, God, and yes. Those carts. Yeah. I, terrible. Mm-hmm. So I went to the grocery store. I had my gloves on because it was cold. And I picked up supplies. Thank God I did. But I came home, and just a couple of days later, it started. And let me tell you what. This stuff is vicious. Real bad. Real bad. And I think, as I, you and I have discussed, I think this is bacterial from the get-go. So when they're waiting to see if it turns into bacterial, I think that's why these people are dying. Because this is a bacterial ambush, and it just takes over very quickly. And I, my opinion only, I'm no doctor, but I know what it feels like to have this. And I don't usually get sick. So this was, um, this was a a bad surprise and mm-hmm. i was down at the count i was in my pjs for four days can you believe it no because you are on the go regardless of how you feel I so you know. had to feel really bad i couldn't i mean i was just in bed in my pjs reading whitley's book reading the other books that we have because we have so mm-hmm. many wonderful authors that are oh, really wanting to be on the show so i was just hunkered down mm-hmm. and Today, I actually got up, got dressed, and ate food. So if you're Would you need to do more this, of? I do. I do. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, everybody. I think it's time to put those masks on and plastic gloves if you're in a warm climate and really protect yourself. That stuff is, is very difficult to avoid it right now. It seems to be everywhere. Everywhere, that is for sure. That is for sure. In fact, the hospitals are preferring that people not go to the hospitals because they're overloaded and they have no way of taking care of it. And they say you do better off if they keep you at home as opposed to putting you in the hospital because it's difficult to take care of you. Yeah, see, and I I don't know, you know, what they can do anyways because by the time they figure out it's a bacterial infection, it's usually too late and these people are dead. So it's it's bad all the way around. The throwing up and such is it that so many of them are going through. 
and they're dehydrating yeah. on top of it and they can't keep anything down and there's nothing they yeah. can take so yeah. so they have to be IV'd mm-hmm. Ugh, terrible trying and to do that with I'll a four-year-old what Oh, good Lord, no. Yeah. Well, and, you know, but the other thing is this, and, you know, we were talking about this, you, me, and George, that this feels manufactured. This does not feel like some natural progression right. of a flu virus. This is something a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. has to make you wonder. Well, a little dusting and cleaning coming in from God knows where. Yeah. Because it's it, it none of it's normal. It hit too hard, too fast. And the way it's growing back and forth in some of the states that, that are basically locked down because of this. So the yes. schools have been closed. Yeah. And I'm thinking back when we were talking last week about different things that have taken place and how things come back and re, revert, review themselves over again. Mm-hmm. What we were talking about was... 250-some years ago, there was the plague that happened in Europe. Well, we're going through, we won't call it the plague, of course, but we're going through similar things where we've got health issues from coast to coast. We do. And some of these areas that we were talking about before re-emerging how many years later when we were talking about the solar eclipse and such, how it brings about something that was 253 years later, much is a review of what happened back then, and we're seeing some of the same things take place. Well, I'll tell you, it feels like a plague because so many people have it, so many people are dying from it, so many people are passing it around because they don't wash their hands, they're sneezing and coughing in everybody's faces, and they're sweating. Definitely, definitely. Which is a, a very big problem. I don't know why people, when they have this, go out and uh, why? Stay home, everybody. If you've well, got something nasty like this, this kind of jungle fungus, just stay home. And a lot of grocery stores deliver now, which is be grateful for that. But if you go to the grocery store, you wipe off the handle, because some of them have the, yes. the closet, you wipe off the handle. But have you ever thought of wiping off that little seat thing that's in front of you that we usually stick eggs or purses or whatever in? Because we've got people yes. putting their little fannies in those containers, and they're never wiped yep. down. Exactly. So just and yeah, I think you're right on the money here with that. It's like you have to go like full bore with a decontamination suit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I always want to win. No, the hood. I mean, it's time. But you it's a jump, do it. We'll call it a jumpsuit. Okay. We glamorize jumpsuit. it a little. Put a few little sequins on it so it'll make you feel good. Yes, that's right. Lipstick I, on the mask. <laughs> that's right. We could create a whole new us. Yes. Well, as long as we don't die from this horrible thing. And I'll oh, tell God. you, I was so sick from it. It was awful. But anyways, that enough of that depressing <laughs> nonsense. Okay. All right. Now, next, let's talk about next week because next yes. week's a big deal. Yes, it is. Next week, we do not have a guest to interview with a usual book situation. We are starting to move beyond that. And we want to give back to our audience and I see a message from Joe. And the message is still trying. I'm anticipating that he had time wrong, which means he may possibly try to connect at the top of the hour. All right, so we're going to go to 8 o'clock and okay. see if he shows up. Okay, very good. So, anyways, um, the prayer show. 
mm-hmm. is a really important show for us. And yes. you and I discussed it. We brought George Lugo into it as a very famous psychic medium. We've had him on the show repeatedly. And the idea is this. We are asking you, our listeners, to send us your request for prayer, whatever it is, you know, whether you need financial stability or health from a chronic illness or a terminal illness, whatever it is, or even the flu, uh, whatever it is that you want prayers for. Maybe you have a family situation that's unstable and you would like to feel safe in your family and you don't. Uh, Send us your story via email Mm -hmm. and then we will... Read it on the air. PK, no names will be mentioned. You give us your names, but we're going to only say the first name on the air so people will know that prayer is for them. But basically, uh, you will, once we get the email, the whole name should be in there. So if you'd like, so that PK can offer you some insight on your numbers. Right. But we will not give your your whole name out. Nor will we mention your birth date either because... Some people may just jump to a conclusion. We're going to take all that off the table, so there won't be the opportunity for that to take right. place. So you can put it in your email, but we're not going to announce it. Right. And Definitely. I'm going to cough, so hang on. Okay. She coughs very nicely. She puts her hand over it very gently. She did the best she could. That's all, she, that's all <laughs> we've got from her today. <laughs> yeah. It's good you're not here because I can't contaminate you, too. That's good. Um so, anyways, there is on our homepage, supernaturalgirlswithaz.com, we have in the upper right-hand corner my email. You can just click on it, and a little piece about the prayer circle mm-hmm. that we're doing. Just click on it, send us your story, and then we're going to start doing this live on the air. So, right. you're going to offer some insight via the numbers. George Lugo is going to also offer insight with his talent as a psychic medium. And I'm going to call in on the spirit teams to work with and for these people. And then one at a time, we're going to pray for them. So we already have a large group of prayers that have been sent in. But Mm -hmm. please go ahead and send your prayer. So we will, I guarantee you, we're going to try to get to all of them that we can. So, okay, so here's some good news. Whitley's actually trying to get into the meeting now. Okay, so good. So we won't have to repeat a show, everybody, but we always have backup because we don't want our listeners disappointed. And we don't want you and me disappointed, right, PK? Well, that's for sure. (laughs) I cry very easy. She knows that. (laughs) Yeah, and I get mad really easy. So. (laughs) Oh, I know it. Temper tantrums are terrible. I don't push her down her hill. (laughs) No temper tantrums. But Mm -hmm. uh, anyways, this is our opportunity to give back to everybody. And it's a very powerful thing to do with prayer. The name of the show is When Two or More Are Gathered. And we're going to try to repeat this show at least once a month. So that that way, if your prayer doesn't make it in this time, we're going to try to make everybody's prayers happen this time. Um. But anyways, we we will definitely uh, get you the next time. So if there is an urgency, like I know right now, we have a prayer request for a young man who is in a coma. 
and his he was in a terrible car accident his friends were killed and so there's an urgency with this obviously and mm-hmm. so we will be praying for him this coming not tonight but next week yes. so anyways give it some thought and if you know somebody may not be a listener uh to our show regularly but we had um we really need to hear from as many people as possible so that we can get back to you so if you also just have questions you can feel free to email me i'll definitely respond um if you have any concerns about the prayer group and this is not has anything there's nothing to do with religion definitely not this, it, it is to do yes. it's between us and god that's right whatever god you use it doesn't matter that's right that's right absolutely so it, it really doesn't matter at all it's just about connecting to the source and connecting mm-hmm. to the spirit so it's a, a very exciting thing for us to do and we're Again, welcoming you to send your prayers. Also, we're welcoming you to join us. If you just want to join us and offer your prayers with us, you can do that too. So anyhow, this is is going to be a lot of fun and very exciting. And we're hoping to make a difference for all of you. And what we found in past prayer groups as well is that when you join the prayer group, and let's say we're praying for this young man in the hospital, what we find happens is everybody gets some benefit. Mm-hmm. Everybody receives mm-hmm. some blessing out of being in the group. Just together, together we could do anything. That's what it's yes. all about. Amassing together. Yes. Can't wait. Next week's going to be great. Yeah. Very high energy going out to all sources. Yes. So, anyhow, there are the instructions, and I see <clears throat> Whitley might be joining us pretty soon. I'm waiting for a go. Green light from Joe, our wonderful producer, who actually, I'm amazed, Joe, that you did this. So, <laughs> he found him, PK. He actually found him. I'm very proud of Joe. I know. We can't, none of us ever see Joe. Joe's, what was the, the show that used to be where the, the neighbor was behind the fence and you yes. could never see his face, you could just hear the voice? Well, that's our Joe. He's that's on the Joe. other side. He just won't let us see him. We've, We've never seen him, him either. Over two years, never <laughs> seen him. <laughs> oh, I see Whitley Streber. Yes. He's there. So I'm just waiting for Joe to say he's uh, he's got a fancy microphone. It's nicer yes, than ours. Does. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, ours will work just as well. You know, he has his own podcast, too, called Dreamland. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's an expert at this. He, he looks like he's very stern about what's taking place. No yes. nonsense. Strictly business. I can tell he's following Joe's <laughs> directions. So let's see. Well, this is good news, everybody. We are going to be talking with Whitley in just a couple minutes, just as soon as Joe talks him through the rest of the instructions to go live with this microphone. Cool. This video is there with us. And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this book and Whitley. Now, Whitley is amazing, as you know. Mm-hmm. As we have said, um, there is there are heroes in the paranormal, and there are giants. And Whitley's both. And he's a very courageous guy, 
And, of course, you may remember him from his first New York Times bestseller, mm-hmm. Communion. Communion. That yes. was an amazing book. But he has a new book, and that's what we're talking about. He has many books. But we're going to be talking about The Supernatural. Here it is. Yes. Right there. Mm-hmm. We both read. And, okay, so Whitley is one of today's most influential authors of both science fiction and extraordinary fact. He is best known for his groundbreaking memoir, Communion, as well as his best-selling novels, including The Wolfen and The Hunger. Many of, of his books have formed the basis for popular movies, including The Day After Tomorrow. But Communion is my favorite. Yes, Can't that was lie. a great movie. Yes. So, anyways, we're still waiting. Joe, can we hear Whitley and bring him on? Let's see. Okay. Uh, yes, hi. Can can you hear me? Yes. All right, we're okay. going. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hear me now. Yes. Yes, you can. Hi, Whitley. It's so nice to meet you. I'm glad that we that Joe caught up with you. It's yeah, great to have you. I'm sorry you. about the time difference confusion. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It's just I'm glad it worked out because we're we're so looking forward to talking with you tonight on the show. It's a very exciting book that you wrote, The Supernatural. But your story is, is so unique, and it took so much courage to write the first one, Communion. Uh, let's start there. Well, it, it didn't take courage because I didn't realize what would happen to me. I never would have written it if I'd known. (laughs) I I just found it quite fascinating. I had no idea about the existence of a UFO community or all these people who were furiously fighting each other about it. I had no idea that the government had an interest in it. I had none of that. I had just had an interesting and unusual experience that I didn't feel could be explained. And I thought it was very well worth writing about because it seemed rather unique. And uh, there... As I studied it, I discovered that there were a few other people here and there who had had the experience, but it wasn't certainly all that common. And then I published the book, and really all hell broke loose. I was terribly disappointed because I like, you know, I'm a very private person. I became a writer primarily because I don't like to be out in the world. I like to stay at home and write. And uh, had been in the advertising business for some years before, struggling to be a writer. 
and had written some books before very successfully. And then this happened, and it, it, it completely upended my whole world. It was horrible. And uh, I regret it to this day, actually. Oh, I, do I, you? Oh, yeah. I would never have written about it, any of it, if I had known that it's a, a lot of baloney out there about this subject. Nobody really knows what it is. They all think it has to do with aliens, or, and they've got it all sorted out with the uh, reptilians and the grays and the blondes and the these and the that's right. and the those <laughs> who the, in the world ha, why why do we draw such conclusions there's a, a completely fantastic inability to discriminate and think clearly the truth of the matter is we don't know any of those things we don't know what they are where they're from or anything and there's plenty of excuse me there's plenty of indication that they that uh, they are very very different from the assumptions that you find if you if you Google aliens or UFOs or something on the internet. I think it's a disaster, and a big part of it is the fact that a lot of the important information is indeed secret and kept secret by the government That's very the very in, religiously. Yes. I know yes. that because I know a lot of the people who work in that area, in the secrecy. And they're just like me. They'd love to get these secrets out, but they don't know how to do it, and I don't blame them. I don't either. Yeah, this is, I mean, people don't understand that when you have an experience like this, there's really not a lot of upside to sharing it with the world. But you certainly lived it. Well, well I, yeah, I did live it, and I didn't, as I said, I didn't realize there was no upside to it, or I would never have done it. But now, here I am. I've backed into it, and I've embraced it wholeheartedly because I have no choice. And and frankly, it's extremely fascinating. Uh, whether I speak about it in public or not, it remains the absolutely the most fascinating thing you could imagine having happened to you. It's yes. yeah, absolutely we agree Absolutely with you. Marvelous. It yeah. is. It's an incredible topic. And but now, could you share a little bit with us about your horrible experiences? What are the, some of the things that really turned you off or hurt hurt your feelings or your yeah, family? Yeah, what, sure. I can tell you the, the primary thing was uh, I very I thought I was very ashamed of part of what had happened to me. And I couldn't, but I couldn't not say it because I didn't feel that would be honest to, to remove it. If, if you know, then I might as well just make this into a work of fiction, and it's no work of fiction. It's true. It's exactly as I remember it. And what I was embarrassed about was being raped, and I had the misfortune to call it a rectal probe. As a result of which, I have been being laughed at about being having been raped. For the rest of my life, most recently on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, uh, when the video that was released through the New York Times uh, by Louis Elizondo came out, they mentioned it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and told rectal probe jokes, just just as if it didn't matter. And, of course, if I had been in, in the opposite sex and had that happen to me, uh. they wouldn't have dared to do it. But because I'm a man... My rape is funny. 
And it's not actually very funny at all. Not at all. It's horrible. I mean, I was I was horrified with the way you were treated by them. I mean, there was mm-hmm. such a level of roughness and ab- abuse. I mean, I was abuse horrified. is the word. I was I've been abused for years and uh, at, at many many different levels. Uh, well, a, a good example of that abuse is the in um, nineteen. In, the, in in uh, I forget the exact date. I think it was in the in in the early nineties. Uh, just as I was going to put out a book called Confirmation, which contains some critical material about the United States Air Force, uh, a story appeared in Parade Magazine, which is now kind of faded. But at that time, it was a big su- event on Sundays, uh, part of every mm-hmm. Sunday newspaper in the country, to the effect that I had discovered that I had a disease called temporal lobe epilepsy and had made a contribution to the Epilepsy Foundation. Mm-hmm. This was a complete lie. The, other, the truth was that I had done, gone, been very careful with all of these possible illnesses that could explain what happened to me, including temporal lobe epilepsy, and had taken absolute state-of-the-art tests that had shown, as I had reported, previously in my book transformation that not only did i not have epilepsy of any kind i was to have an exceptionally stable brain that's not at all seizure prone but this then i called parade magazine asking what in the world possessed you to do this and, and exactly and and he was the editor that i finally talked to was very polite and sweet he said well you know we wanted to help you and some of your friends had had told us you made this contribution and you were rather shy about it and i said who and he mentioned someone uh who was an air force officer and i realized that the air force office of special investigations or whatever they call it had planted this false story to oh. good oh and- my god and that was just one of many, many such things. And, you know, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, around the scenes, it's been hell. It still is. I mean, they still will come after me if they have a, see an opening. God, that's it's disgusting. Awful. That is horrible. I know. I am yeah, so appalled. I'm not surprised but totally appalled by this treatment of you because here you were just pouring your heart out onto the page. Communion was a number mm-hmm. one bestseller, New York Times. I mean, my God, it, it was a great book. And it's also you- one of the few times that anyone has ever coherently uh, described an event like this in non, completely non-mythologized uh, myth- and or folkloric ways it's just a straightforward plain description in modern english that has not got any reference to uh the saucer uh gods or anything like that and that is another thing that i think really upset the powers that be whoever they are because suddenly here was someone rational talking about this rationally indicating that. that it Oh, wasn't God, yeah. nonsense. Yeah, they hate that. Look what they did to Dr. Mack. You know that they well exactly. Hate he that was kind of he thing. was a good friend, and he telephoned me one day and said, "Whitley, 
they're about to pull my tenure and my license. I'm going to be ruined. I'm not going to have a life. And I said, John, it's par for the course, but you won't, they won't be able to destroy, wreck your tenure. I, I don't know about the license. I don't know enough about that. But I had studied the tenuring. I knew he was in trouble with his tenure. Yes, and, he was. Uh, and uh, they, indeed, they didn't. And not only that, his worst critic became one of his strongest supporters, simply because of the logic and the intelligence of John's approach. Wow. Well, this is, again, we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to take a very short commercial break, everybody. Stay with us. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. John, just because it's summer doesn't mean you can sit around on your backside all day. Uh, skip. You never take me anywhere. Skip. Man, I'm telling you, go paleo. It'll change your life. Skip, skip, skip. Don't get stuck with sounds you don't want to hear. Get Spotify Premium free with Vodafone X Music, plus 20 gigs of 4G data for just €20 Euro top up. Fuel your beats with free Spotify Premium. Search Vodafone X to find out more. For full terms, conditions, and limitations, including our fair usage policy, see Vodafone.ie. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, and our illustrious guests. Like I said, there are heroes and giants in this paranormal right. field. Whitley is both, and we're very honored to have him here. Oh, and he's, you, written, <laughs> he's written a new book that we yes. both read and thoroughly enjoyed, and here it is. We yes, highly recommend definitely. it, The Supernatural. This is an introduction to a new paradigm on the paranormal and it's a wonderful book again go out and get it you won't be sorry so Whitley take us forward because now there's more things that are happening with you the whatever they are I'm not going to name them whether they're ETs or interdimensionals or whatever those beings they're still in contact with you so tell us more about what's happening today very definitely Um, well after my wife passed away everything changed very dramatically um very sad about that very sad well it was it was a horrible struggle and um uh, but it happens you know as my doctor our doctor said i have a 100 percent death rate in my practice and uh that's just, it goes for every doctor in the world right. and every life comes to an end and it was it caused uh for me of course a fantastic amount of grief but and still does. I mean, I'd, every evening when evening falls, which is when we used to stop work and relax and have a nice conversation together and so forth and have our dinner, that's the hardest time for me. But any, let me go back to what happened, though. During the time we were working on communion, mm-hmm. first of all, Annie took this in hand. You would think I was very worried about telling her what had happened to me, and uh, because what might she think? I mean, she had a five-year-old child at the time, bored little child, and that her husband comes on and comes along and says he tells this incredible story that supposedly happened to me when she was asleep in the same bed. How is she going to take that? Yes. Well, it turned out her reaction was. How fascinating 
I signed on for an interesting life, and it looks like I found the right guy. <laughs> what a great response. <laughs> what a super wife. And I, yes. said, I, I said, honey, I thought you might want to divorce me. And she said, that's what's wrong with you. I thought something was up. I was afraid you might have been fooling around on me or something. Thank oh, God it was God. this. <laughs> now it's all explained. Because <laughs> I had been trying to kind of push her away because I was afraid, you know, she wouldn't want me in her life, in our son's life anymore. And um, But anyway, we published the book. She helped me write the book, and she would say, she was a born teacher. She was a really very well educated at Bank Street College Education too. So she, when it came to teaching and 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 helping somebody form an idea, she was the best. So she would say as I went along, "No, no, you're connecting the dots. You don't know that these two things are even related. Let's work that out into a question." And so at the end of the book, there are a group of unanswered questions that have formed the center of my whole experience. They're the axis of my experience. And uh, those questions were basically formulated by Anne. Then after the book went out, we got not just a few letters. We got thousands and then hundreds of thousands of letters from everywhere in this country and all over the world. We had touched a nerve. This is something that happens to a lot of people. And Annie would say, you know, I, I think it's unlikely that this has to do with aliens because it's just too common. But one thing is clear, it has to do with us, human beings. And um, one day she came out of her office and she said, Whitley, this has something to do with what we call death. And it was because so many times the people who were describing alien encounters would also say that the some dead friend or relative was accompanying the supposed aliens. And when we used to have groups of people up at our cabin to meet the visitors, which happened quite commonly, uh, we would always know when one of those weekends was going to be a success when someone would walk in and say something like, I just saw my dead brother walking down your road. Wow. And oh then Annie gosh. would say, they'll be here later. <laughs> and they always were. So what was really going on? Yeah, that's the big you know, question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We want to know. But we made a plan back in, I think, about 1994. We decided that this meant that there was an afterlife. And yeah. so we decided that the first one of us to go would try to contact the other one, but not through psychics or mediums, but and not directly, but to go to friends and contact the friends. But we never told anyone this. In fact, I forgot all about it. And an hour and a half after Annie died, a dear friend of ours, Belle Fuller, telephoned me and said, Whitley, is Anne all right? Because I just heard her voice tell me to call you. Oh, I said, oh, Annie, Belle died. I, I mean, oh. Belle, Annie died an hour and a half ago. And... I had wow. been sitting there wishing that I would have some further contact with her. And that was just the beginning of what became a very organized, Annie's always a very organized person, a very organized process of contact that eventually led 
to a whole new kind of relationship between the two of us across the bridge between the worlds. And to symbolize it, I don't know if you can see them, I wear both of our rings. rings. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. As, as I see it, we Still have... Still joined, always. Yes. We have now got one body and two people in the marriage still. How and beautiful. Oh. We published a book together called Afterlife Revolution about this, which is available on Amazon. And I read the audio book myself, and it was terribly hard, but I did it. Oh, and good so for it's you. a paperback, an ebook, and an audio book now. So people but can get that as well as the supernatural. As well on as Amazon. the supernatural. And we can talk now about the supernatural because what happened there was some years ago I met a professor from Rice University, Jeffrey Kripal, who is one of the world's leading experts on folklore, modern folklore and mythology. And he was very interested in my work, not mm. necessarily as a believer, but as an academic with an open mind ready to explore. And we went back and forth. We met. We went to conferences together. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, or to Jeff, or to both of us at the same time, I'm not sure, what if we did something where we played off against each other. He would bring his academic uh, skills and deep knowledge of mythology and modern folklore, and I would bring my experiences. And we would trade. I would write an experience, and Jeff would react to it with an essay about what it means in, the, in, a, in, a, in, in a larger context. And that's what supernatural is. It's not about things that go bump in the night. I mean, things do go bump in the night, believe me. But what, what it, it's not something outside of nature. That's why we split the words into two, super and natural, because it is natural experience. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...a natural phenomena that is super powerful, partly because we don't understand it, and partly because how it re, re, how we respond to it and the experiences that it brings us.
That's a new paradigm that I really can get behind. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. We, and again, here we are in this radio show. Our tagline is where paranormal is normal. Because to us, all of these things are normal. There's right. nothing to in our minds that we would, would say it, it doesn't fit. It all fits. Well, of course it's and, normal. I mean, we got probably a million letters over the years. And Annie, Annie collected the, the ones that were not just, hello, gee, this is really cool, but the ones that, you know, where people described experiences. She collected them all. And um, uh, now they're at Rice University as part of, a, of, a, um, of an archive that's being created there of this material, Wonderful. which is great. But my that point is, is this. Every time I pick up a skeptic's book, it says, well, this is just anecdotal. Anecdotal means a single isolated experience. It's not that. This is part of the human condition and probably always has been. We are just becoming more articulate about it because we are less and less bound by beliefs and, and, and mythologies. Because most of the people who would write us had never heard of the UFO community, the Mutual UFO Network, hypnosis, any of that stuff. They just responded. You know what they mostly responded to? They had seen the face on the cover of Communion mm -hmm. in their homes. They had right. seen that. Mm -hmm. And when they realized that it was just as they had suspected, not a dream, they sat down and wrote and told of what had happened to them. And you also had talked about the owl and how so many people have seen the owl, but it's really yeah. not the owl. And I, I'm sure a lot of people wrote to you about that. We hear about that as well. It's mm -hmm. it's a very powerful, powerful thing that image. happens with the owls. Yes, that's an incredible image. Now, here's a couple of questions that let's go back a little bit because we have a great audience and they always ask good questions. This is from Lyric Wilson who's saying, did you think that you were on the verge of a nervous breakdown throughout your original encounter? I did think that I was losing my mind. It was far worse than a nervous breakdown. I thought I had had a psychotic break so intense that I had lost, during the psychos psychotic break, all contact with reality. And I wow. thought, if this happens again and doesn't go away, what happens to Anne and our boy? They have no means of support. I can't help them. She couldn't, under the laws of New York State, as I understood them then, she couldn't even divorce me. That, that wasn't a cause for divorce. So wow. she would have been helplessly Something. saddled with this useless man. I was horrified by that idea. That was why I tried to, make, I tried to push her away. And here we had this yeah. wonderful, loving marriage and... And I kept saying to her, why don't you move down to Texas and this and the other, that's where we're from. And I had a lot, we had, she has a lot of friends there and I had relations. Mm -hmm. And she says, why, do you want to separate? Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't say I did because I didn't. And I said, no, I just thought that I think it might be something that you would be happy you did in the, in the long run. And, of course, I was thinking about this. That's why when I finally owned up to it, she was right. so relieved. So yes is the answer. 
I thought I was yes. having a nervous breakdown and worse. Yes, understandable. Now, this is that. from Ursula, who's saying, how quickly did you seek out a support group for your trauma? Not quickly at all. Uh, my initial reaction was that it was a, a some kind of psychological problem, that it was a brain tumor or temporal lobe epilepsy or some, un, some other form uh, or, or simply a psychosis. But once I had gotten past those possibilities, then uh, I remembered that one of the beings that I had been with was actually a person I knew in high school and college who was a, uh, had joined the Central Intelligence Agency. And I had written a book some years before called War Day. And War Day had very much annoyed the Reagan administration for a lot of reasons we don't need to go into. It was a political novel. And mm -hmm. the result mm -hmm. of this was that I had been, Ted Kennedy had read from it on the floor of the Senate because he thought the book was very important. And uh, he, he, one of his staffers telephoned me and said, you know you'll, you're li they're liable to play dirty tricks on you because the presidents do that. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you can mm -hmm. expect a political tax audit. And I thought, well, that won't matter much because I don't have, it'll take 10 minutes, but I'm not a very complex taxes. So I sort of forgot about it. But then this happened, and I thought, I've, I, this was like a hallucinatory experience with these weird creatures all around me, unable to wake up. And there was the one person I recognized was that guy. And I thought, was this the dirty trick? Did they get into the house somehow and drug me? put LSD in my soup or something and try to drive me crazy so that the so that I couldn't no longer be a political advocate. And That's so I question. thought, well, you know, I have his phone number. I'll call him. I telephoned him. The number was disconnected. And I thought, aha, I'm on the right track. So I phoned his brother. And there, that was one of the most extraordinary, chilling, amazing moments of my life. When his brother said, Whitley, X has been dead since last March. He died. Oh, no. And in other words, when I saw him in late December, he'd already been dead for nearly a year. That was the first time oh, wow. the God. dead showed up with the visitors in our experience. And that was the beginning that we didn't realize, we just didn't know what to make of it then. Later, we would under, come to understand that this is all radically different from everything we understand, understand and think we know about it. But uh, uh, so that was the initial thing. Then uh, I met Bud Hopkins, who I, I sought him out because I had... My brother had given me a UFO book that mentioned him and mentioned these close encounter witnesses and abductees, and they did sound sort of like what happened to me. So that was the second thing. I went and found Bud Hopkins and got involved with a group of other people who had had this happen. But at the time, Bud, I said to Bud, how many people do you think this happens to? And he says, well, we've got uh, 18, I think he said, in this group, and uh, I think there must be 40 or 50 more around probably. 
And so that was the beginning. Of, it, that was must have been in March. So March, yeah, of of uh, 1986. So about three months after the event is when I started with a group, and I didn't stay with it for long. But um, uh, that was my first experience of group work with this. There's lots of groups around. There's an organization called Free F R E E, which uh, I think if you Google Free UFO, you'll probably go to their website. I don't remember their web address. That connects people with psychologists and so forth who take an interest in this. Gosh, what a journey! Well, here's another question. We've got a lot of questions for you uh, from. I'll answer the chat. more quickly then. They are so fascinated by you, Whitley. Um, here's from Shimmering Lights. Do you think the government still has an interest in what you're up to? It does. Beyond that, I have nothing to say. Okay, that's a bad thing, I guess. Uh, no, 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 it's not a bad thing. No, you know, don't get me wrong. The government a is a very complex entity. There are that's aspects true. of the government, primarily the Air Force, I think, who don't want this stuff known. And the reason they don't is because they can do nothing about it. The Air Force is supposed to protect us from threats from above. This right. appears to be a threat from above because it comes in the, out of the sky and lands and ends up in people's bedrooms and does things that they don't like. And the Air Force has to say, we can't do a thing about it. We don't understand the first thing about it. Mm -hmm. um, of they course, that could be that it's not what it seems, but. However, right, and that's what you you got into in your book is a lot yeah. of this isn't what it right. seems, which is such an important premise, and you start from there. Here's another. Uh, here's a comment actually. This is from Extra Dimensional Traveler Whitley. I'm a third generation abductee. I had my first encounter at ten. I can confirm much of your experiences. So nice comment from that person. Now, here's one from Rohan Lewis who says, Hi, Whitley, did you have an open mind about ghosts before your alien encounter? I didn't have an open mind about any of this, I'm sorry to say. Uh, <laughs> Anne and I, I started out a Catholic and was raised by atheists, and uh, we were secular. In fact, a friend of an old friend of mine said to me, a couple of months ago, he said, you know, Whitley, when that, this subject of UFOs used to come up when we were young, you would just, when, when I was a little kid, of course, I was fascinated by it back in the 50s. But by right. the time I was a young man in my 20s and 30s, I thought it was ridiculous. Child's play. So I didn't have an open mind. However, no sooner had Anne and I met than peculiar things started happening to us when we were together. And we didn't really make much of them, but they were odd enough to where both of us thought, hmm, what kind of person have I married here that I've got these weird things happening to me now? <laughs> so, um, That's right. But we didn't, we never thought about it. It was never on the subject, it was never a subject we were concerned about. I, I wrote horror novels, yeah, and so I, you know, I was concerned in that sense. But professionally, is, you know, the mm -hmm. vampire lore, the werewolf lore, and all that stuff that interested me. Yes, exactly, and that interests a lot of readers too. Readers oh, love that gosh, stuff. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to this day. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
here's a excuse me a question from Conti. Will the truth ever come out? That is a very good question and a very hard question because the we have to first figure out what is the truth. And for example, Luis Alvarez released a video that was featured in the New York Times a few months ago in December of a UFO image of a UFO that was taken by some Navy planes. Mm-hmm. But what is it? Right. This is, what is it? What is it? I know people who work on this on the inside, and they don't know what it is. One of the reasons there's so much agitation to get this out into the public sphere is that the classification system, excuse me, has put a damper on innovative new thinking and research. Uh, One thing that did come out, fascinatingly enough, at the Contact in the Desert UFO conference last summer here in California was the, a very distinguished member of the UFO community, Dr. Jacques Vallée, conceivably the most distinguished member of the UFO community, in fact, came out and proceeded to show uh, technical data indicating that some material that he had acquired a material, I have some of it too, uh, but he had acquired this material in various ways that came from a UFO crash. And it had been an- analyzed isotopically because there are uh, people with a good deal of money behind Dr. Vallée and his work. And uh, that's very expensive, that type of analysis. And we're going to was- hold that thought, Whitley. We're going to come back and finish the uh, this about Jacques Vallée and his work. We have to take a very short commercial break. And mm-hmm. t- stay tuned, everybody. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, and our terrific guest tonight. We're so honored to have him. Whitley Streber is here with us tonight, and he is the author of not just one, but two new books. The Supernatural is one, which is that one, and another one that Whitley has co-authored with his wife, Across the Bridge, and that is called Afterlife Revolution, and you can get both on Amazon. I'm looking forward to reading this Afterlife one. This sounds fascinating. I am too. I think it's yeah. going to be very fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's been a, that one. It's been an exceptional year for me in terms of writing because the both books are very important books, and I'm extremely grateful to have them out there. I, I must say. Yes. But let's let's get back to Jacques Vallée because we left the listeners the right. that hanging, question, yes. and it's one of the most <laughs> yes. fascinating. Let them all hang. Cliffhangers okay, don't work. Right. <laughs> Here, here's, what, here's what he reported. He had had this material analyzed, the isotopic ratios in it analyzed, and these isotopic ratios were not of this world. They were not isotopes that occur on planet Earth. But there's a remarkable kicker. You'd think, oh, well, that must mean they're from some other part of the universe. 
But as we understand physics, they couldn't exist at all in this universe. Oh, my. They are entirely fabricated from the subatomic level up, or they are not from this universe. There's something mm -hmm. from another universe, uh, from a parallel universe with different laws of physics. Uh, it is remarkable stuff. Now, when you have something like that in the hands of a scientist, which has been analyzed very properly, when you have video released by the United States government of an unknown object that functioned in ways that we cannot duplicate at all, then why, I wonder, do we end up trading rectal probe jokes? <laughs> why can't exactly. we do better? We can do better. Yes. You we can actually think, so. think about this. Yeah, this other stuff is such a terrible and stupid distraction. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's so well, many great to mysteries do. to discuss. It's, just so, mm -hmm. it's so weak. And, you know, I live with the visitors. They're in my life all the time. I'm not going to go into a great deal of detail about how that works, but I'm embarrassed. I have, we've got to do better because they're unimpressed. And, you know, I keep worrying about the fact that our climate is deteriorating and there are other things about us that they've explained to me about population pressure and so forth. We're in very serious trouble as a species. We are. And we need their help. We need to turn towards them in a rational and coherent way. And we're not doing that at all. Uh, instead, you have these absurd, it's like the, the reactions to that video were childish. They were yes. childish. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, 70 years of an organized attempt to kind of tame us to this presence, and finally something happens that's incontrovertible. The video is released by the government, and... The general reaction is uh, scientists denying it in the face of the irrefutable reality of the documentation, and other and, and people making frightened, nervous jokes. But more importantly, nobody with a really strong mind taking a look at this seriously from a social, cultural viewpoint and social sciences, uh, the academic community in terms of the culture, physics, biology, astrophysics, astronomy, cosmology. There are so many different disciplines that should be looking at this very seriously. Instead, Absolutely. there's mm -hmm. just a big hearty <clears throat> Yeah, very exactly. Or just very totally blocking it out. Yes, it is. It's and it's ridiculous. Now, yeah. <clears throat> you have a story in your book that we found so fascinating, and this is in the Supernatural book. It's about the editor Bruce Lee, mm -hmm. who 
goes into a bookstore. Can you tell us about that story? I know our our listeners want to hear it. That yeah. was amazing. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got a million, million stories. I have Good. an entire <laughs> lifetime that shouldn't have happened, and that is impossible. But I'll tell you this story. Bruce Lee was a—he had been an intelligence agent, and he was now an editor in, in Army intelligence, and he was now an editor at William Morrow and Company. And the book had just been published, Communion, and he went into a shop called the Madison Avenue Bookshop to see if. They had facings, and if people were interested in it, and so forth. And he saw a couple of people that seemed to be looking at the book. So he went around behind them, behind the bookshelf that it was in, so he could listen to them talking. And he did this. He proceeds to hear the see that they're flipping through it at a very rapid rate of speed and laughing, and saying, "Well, he got this wrong, and he got that wrong," and. He thought, how do they know? Right. And then he stopped. They stopped and looked up at him. And they were with these great big black eyes. Uh, and he realized God. they had on overcoats and fedoras down over their eyes. And, you know, that mm. he was looking face to face with the people on the cover of Communion. Mm -hmm. And... Now, you know, that seems like an awesome experience. They don't think of it that way. To them, this is ordinary life. They've been around us. They know us well. And when you're around them, it's no big deal. It's not like E.T. or something. They're just ordinary. They consider themselves ordinary people. And in spite of the fact that I have been around them from time to time, I still don't know what they are. But I can assure you they think of themselves as ordinary. Anyway, Bruce decided perhaps it would be a good idea to leave the store. So he did leave the store. And as he walked out, he could hear them walking behind him and talking to each other and laughing in English in as he put it, in Jewish, thick Jewish accents. And then they walked off down Madison Avenue, still looking like that, and nobody batted an eye. Nobody noticed. What in the world? Well, How I did they said to him, that? maybe they didn't look like that to the other people. Oh, that's oh, a possibility. And, yes. yeah, you just don't know what the reality is. Anyway, I had him take a lie detector test because... I found it extremely hard to believe that story at that time. Nowadays, with the way I've lived, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bat an eye at the story like that. There, such mm -hmm. stories are quite ordinary, but at the time, it seemed difficult to believe, and I was afraid that the publishers were putting me on. Uh, in fact, my the reason I heard the first I heard about the story was from my editor, who called me while I was on author tour and said, "Whitley, I have good news and bad news." I said, uh, bad news first. He said, no, no, it, it won't work. The good news first is that now everybody at William Morrow believes you're telling the truth. Ah. He said, but the bad news is the aliens think you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, you've got to unpack the bad news for me because I don't get that at all. And this oh, is where so the story funny. comes from. 
Oh, that is something. And anyway, Bruce passed the lie detector test. I told the uh, the operator of the machine who had, I said, look, this guy's got to be telling a fib. This man did lie detector work for the uh, New York City Police Department. And, oh, by the way, as soon as communion came out with support from lie detector tests, there were story after story in the newspapers about how lie detectors don't really work. Oh, but now <laughs> that, that that's all been forgotten, if you go and you'll find that there are stories all the time about the CIA and so forth using lie detectors to determine whether or not their agents are telling the truth and, uh, <laughs> and that they're or, in ordinary use in police work as they have been for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do yeah. work if they're in the hands of someone who knows what they're doing. Exactly. So yeah. anyway, I told him that this guy's got to be lying. And after the test, Bruce comes to me, he calls me and says, yo, I passed that lie detector test, but that guy is sadistic. He practically killed me because he was you know, pumping up the, the straps and <laughs> you know, oh, being very geez. challenging and trying oh. to really throw him off. Isn't that sad? Good. And he, you know, and he calls me, the lie detector guy calls me up and says, look, that guy's telling the truth. It's just so incredible. He said, I'm never coming over to your house. I'm telling you that right now. I don't want anything That's right. to do with this. <laughs> well, that's a great story. I just love that one. I thought it was wonderful. <laughs> Here's a question for you from Lola. What do you think about people who introduce time travel to the alien visitation phenomena? These are, gosh, you've got good listeners. Those are we good have questions. The, we haven't I had one, we one bad question. That's cool. Yep. Okay. We have well, smart people. It's a good, good question. Uh, my wife, Anne, felt that this was a very essential part of the whole phenomenon. And she was so smart and so clued into this. I wouldn't. I would suspect that that means that she it, there's something to it. Um, we do know that it's possible to move back and forth in time. We don't know to the, the degree to which that's possible. Could you move a physical entity through time? I don't know. I had before any of this close encounter stuff happened. I had a haunting experience on a street corner in New York that appeared to be a movement backwards in time. It was extremely startling. It only lasted maybe 30 seconds, but it was an amazing experience. And so I, I do suspect that it's possible to move through time. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if in some way what happens to us isn't connected with that. And I'll give you a a precise example. There is something called the principle of least action in physics. This means that when water travels down a hillside, it never takes a detour to go up. It always seeks the lowest possible, easiest possible route. And in physics and in, and in reality, everything always tries to do, to expend the least possible amount of energy to reach whatever its goal is, to whatever it has to do. This means that the grandfather paradox, which would appear to make time travel impossible, that is, if you could travel through time, you can go back and kill your own grandfather, can't work. 
because the principle of least action will always prevent you from doing that, from doing anything that would affect your present, your reality. This would mean that time travelers might have to work very hard to affect their own pasts to, so to speak, trick the grandfather paradox into not realizing that they are from the future. One of the best ways you might be able to do that would be to be something that didn't actually exist at all, aliens. So it's a fabulous mm. question, and I leave the listener to wonder, just as Annie and I did, and as I do now, and I'm sure she does as well, what the heck does it mean? I have asked her in this afterlife state and have not received an answer to that question. Interesting. Interesting. Fascinating. Are, are you familiar, Whitley, with Robin Foy's work and the afterlife investigations? No. I, I might be, I, uh, but it doesn't come to mind. doesn't ring a bell. The only reason I, I am bringing that forward is because they had some time travel things mm -hmm. go on. I'm going to send you uh, some information about it. And for everybody in our audience that's listening, we have done several interviews with Robin Foy. You might want to look them up on our archives. But it's they also encountered the Blue Man, mm -hmm. which they had a photograph of. So that also made me think. The short blue that, figures? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're and very real. So, Listen, right. they're, they're the ones that I ended up with all the time. Yeah. I mean, they're the right. ones. Yeah, they 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 came to. We have a country house. Uh, 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 I don't have it. It belongs to my family, and the visitors have been coming there. The short blue figures for many years, and uh, mostly I'm the one they come to. I, I, they very rarely, on one or two occasions, they've come to other members of the family. But um, uh, I was uh, I, I got some of the government people together because it it became clear that they would show up at the house if these people came the people all chickened out at the last minute they 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 suspected some kind of something was up and they were fr afraid and they didn't come but my aunt and I were there and they these beings showed up these dark blue figures and uh, so you know they are very physical very definitely. I'm not surprised someone could take a picture of them. How I wish that someone was me. Yes. I'll oh, be yes. sure to send you this information. I think you will find it fascinating, mm -hmm. given how your experiences have, have happened over so many years and your perspective on all of this. So here's another question. See, people loved, love your books. They love the movie Communion. And here is a question from Dave Savini who says, excuse me, hi, Whitley, do you think your story has passed enough time to where Hollywood would consider doing a reboot of the original movie? See, people want to see this again. Oh, I would love that. And uh, there is some interest definitely now. And I think that, um, that maybe something along those lines will happen. Oh, that'd be wonderful. I hope so, yeah. 
because that that was a great movie with Christopher Walken. It's I have to tell you though, I don't scare easily, but that movie it got to me. It got <laughs> under my skin. I had nightmares for three nights. It was great. So I totally hope that this turns into either a television project, a series, mm-hmm. or another feature me film. Too. And you, yeah, and you have so much more to add to the story because you've lived it for all oh, these yes. years. This has become my life. <laughs> We yes. haven't even talked about the implant in my left ear, which I use all the time as a communications tool and uh, for many, wow. many other things mm-hmm. now. Well, yeah. Tell us about this implant. Well, it was put in in May of 1989 by two people, a man and a woman, not aliens, as far as I could tell, who came into my bedroom, overpowered me, immobilized me, and began pressing against the side, pressing the side of my head down into the bedclothes. And um, the next afternoon, I could feel a lump in there, and it was sore. There was no opening. It, it had not been, in other words, it hadn't been put in in any normal way. Uh, it began to occasionally turn on, and the ear would turn bright red, and uh, it would make a funny noise in my ear. Uh, I ended up at the Southwest Research Institute in Texas with Dr. William Mallow, the head of material science there, one time when it turned on and my ear turned bright red, and he rushed me into a signals acquisition lab. And I found out just a few months ago, about a year ago, that they had indeed acquired a signal, and the signal is still to this day under study because it was a very unusual signal. Mm. Goodness, um, goodness. But over time, I gradually learned to use the implant. I can use it in, as a research tool. I can use it in a lot of different ways. And the implant will, it, it, what happens is when I'm working with it, a kind of slit opens up in my left eye or sometimes in the right, but usually in the left eye. And like, what looked like typed words go racing past in this slit very quickly. And if I, it's like riding a bicycle. If I try to read them, I get nothing out of it. But if I just relax and let it happen, all kinds of information that I'm, or whatever I'm working on at a given moment comes into my mind. And it's wonderful. And I really, it's, as I say, it's like riding a bicycle. I've learned to use it. And, um, it doesn't control my mind. Uh, if it had controlled my mind, my wife would have told me. She said, she used to say, she used to say your mind is way out of control. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's cute. <laughs> but it, it's, say, it's quite a tool. They, an attempt was made to take it out. And oh, what happened then? Well, uh, the doctor opened it up. And he could see a white disc in here. Mm-hmm. And when he touched the edge of it with his scalpel, it went down into my earlobe. And so he closed up the incision and said, you know, I can't, I'd have to cut your entire ear off to get rid of this. Oh, so, forget it. Um, but he did get a little sliver of it, which he sent to pathology. And the pathologist called him up and said, is this a joke? He said, no, it came out of a patient's ear. He said, because this is not something of nature. This is technology. It has you, what you've showed, got, sent me here is a sliver of a metallic base with protonaceous cilia in it. And um, 
Anyway, about three days later, my ears started to burn like crazy, and it went back up to where it is to this day. And Annie said, my advice is do not press this matter. I would not try to get it out again. And I said, I agree with you. I have no intention of getting it out, trying to get right. it out again. So oh that was how I worked. Incredible. Yeah. <clears throat> you said it was people who did this, who overpowered you. They looked they, human. They were people, yeah. Oh, and yeah, it was yeah, and I've tried hard to find out who they may have been and who they may have been working with. The way it happened was I was lying in bed. It was a May night. It was warm, and we had a gravel driveway, and it was about eleven o'clock at night. And a um, gate, big gate, closed the driveway some distance from the house, and I suddenly heard crunching in the driveway, the crunching of tires on the gravel, and there was no lights out there. Two very bad pieces of news. First, the yeah. crunching of gravel. Mm -hmm. Second, no lights. Rule of thumb, nobody who comes to see you, no fan who shows up after about 10 o'clock at night is ever going to be good news. Nope. So I was That's frightened. Right. I had a Benelli riot gun under the bed, an AMG backup pistol in the drawer, a good bank of light switches in the drawer beside the bed, a bank of light switches, which I could turn on all at once, it would completely surround the house with floodlights and an active alarm system that was turned on. And I suddenly noticed movement at the foot of the bed while I was reading. The reading light was on. I looked up, and there stood these two people, this man and this woman. That fast. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. And they. I, then I heard <laughs> in the backyard a male voice say, condition red. And the man and woman came rushing toward me. I started to go for the lights at first before I realized entirely what was going on. Then I was bending over to go for the Benelli, for the riot gun, when they got a hold of me, moved me, and flopped me down onto the bed. I became unable to move, and they did their business. Wow. Good grief. Right into my, through my skin without even leaving a cut. Incredible. And then they left. There was a big flash of light, a great deal of crashing in the woods. I got the pistol out and went racing through the house looking for some breach of the alarm system, which was still on. And oh. not, not, it had not tripped. The house was entirely sealed. Everything was fine. So I ended up sitting on the bedside thinking, I just can't imagine that that was a dream, but I don't have any other explanation for it. And it wasn't until the next day when various things happened and it became obvious that it was no dream. No, then, that is for I felt sure. Her. How scary. Oh, Good grief. What an exciting, exciting life, Whitley. Mm. And we're so glad you came on the show tonight. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, thank it's you for having me. It's been a real pleasure, genuinely. And, and thank you, oh. listeners, for such cool questions. Yes, absolutely. We've got the best audience in the world. Yes, we That's do. That's what we think. And again, the names of your books... Afterlife Revolution on Amazon.com and the and Supernatural. Supernatural. And Supernatural, that's right. Yes. So, Super, everybody, thanks Super for joining Bowl. us. Yes. And we will be back next week. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Send us your prayer requests. Yes, please. <laughs>